welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, a teenager is arrested for making threats of violence to two gay bars in Boston. Taiwan overwhelmingly says no to amending their civil code to include marriage equality. The Trump administration is trying to take its ban on transgender military service members to the Supreme Court. And the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade made history with its first same-sex kiss. All that and more on this episode of The Randy Report. A 16-year-old from Hampton, New Hampshire, has been arrested after police say he made threatening phone calls to two Boston gay bars earlier this month. According to the Boston Police Department, on Friday, November 23rd, officers from the Seabrook, New Hampshire Police Department located and arrested a 16-year-old male from Hampton, New Hampshire, who was wanted in connection to an investigation surrounding those threatening phone calls. At the time of his arrest, the suspect was wanted on outstanding warrants sought out of Suffolk County Juvenile Court for threats with serious public alarm and civil rights violations in connection to that investigation, as well as additional warrants stemming from other charges from outside jurisdictions. Sadly, it sounds like we have a troubled teen here. The threatening phone calls were made to D-Bar and Alley Bar in Boston. The manager at Alley Bar, Rocco LaMonica, told the Boston Herald, nobody wants to prosecute someone and ruin someone's life. Hopefully this way, by talking to them, seeing we're not the enemy, they'll see it's okay to be who you are. Results from the LGBTQ referendums held on November 24th in Taiwan are in, and by a disappointingly lopsided vote, the civil code will remain unchanged, in terms of same-sex marriage, reports the Taipei News. As a result, the legal recognition of same-sex committed relationships will have to take place through the passage of new legislation. Regarding the referendum on the issue of Case 10, the people of Taiwan voted to maintain the current definition of marriage in the civil code to be between a man and a woman by an enormously lopsided vote of 7,260,000 573 votes to 2,736,508 votes. On Case 11, which asked whether the Ministry of Education should repeal LGBT-inclusive portions of the Enforcement Rules for Gender Equality Education Act in elementary and middle schools, the yes votes came out on top with 6,709,178 votes to 3,227,902 votes. On Case 12, which asked if there should be a separate status for same-sex couples, read that as unequal status, Taiwanese voters were clear that there should be some kind of legal recognition, voting 6,056,036 votes in the affirmative to 3,854,161 dissenting votes. Case 14, 
asked if voters should change the civil code to offer same-sex marriage. Voters said no. And on case 15, which asked if schools should teach all students about gender equality, emotional education, sex education, and same-sex education, voters said no. Now, a little background here. Taiwan's high court ruled in May 2017 that it was unconstitutional for same-sex couples to be banned from marriage and gave the government two years to find a legislative solution. Due to disagreements within Taiwan's parliament, legislation to legalize same-sex marriage is stalled. Lawmakers have remained deadlocked as to whether same-sex marriage should be legalized through changes to the civil code or entirely new legislation. The more conservative factions of Taiwan don't favor amending their civil code. Additionally, I should note that last month over 130,000 participants took part in Taiwan's Pride Parade, the largest LGBTQ celebration in Asia. The Trump administration has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to step in and review its long-intended ban on military service by transgender Americans. According to the Washington Post, Solicitor General Noel J. Francisco has filed a request asking the Supreme Court to bypass traditional legal processes and rule on the challenges to the ban which have held the proposed policy to be unconstitutional. As many of you may know, in July of 2017, Donald Trump surprised many, including members of his own administration, with an abrupt announcement proposing the ban on transgender service members. He tweeted, After consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. Thank you. How polite that he offered a thank you. Hmm. You'll note that he mentions that he had consulted with his generals and military experts before announcing the ban. But in March of this year, more than 20 retired generals and admirals signed on to a letter opposing such a ban. Their statement read in part, The administration's announcement on the treatment of transgender service members is a troubling move backward. There is simply no reason to single out brave transgender Americans who can meet military standards and deny them the ability to serve. Additionally, the American Psychiatric Association and the American Psychological Association both say claims by Secretary of Defense James Mattis indicating trans soldiers diagnosed with gender dysphoria cannot effectively serve in the military are false. Federal Judge Colleen Collar Catelli of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia granted an injunction that blocked implementation of the ban in October 2017. This past August, she rebuffed a request by the Trump administration to lift the injunction after some of the proposed language had been amended. Kohler Catelli was not convinced, saying discharging trans soldiers and denying enlistment would most likely be found discriminatory and unconstitutional.
Oral arguments are scheduled to be heard at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit on December 10th regarding Kohler-Catelli's order that blocked the ban. It's worth noting that it's highly unusual to approach the Supreme Court before exhausting the available appeals court processes. Attorney Joshua Matz, who filed an amicus brief in the case, issued a statement saying Trump's lawyers failed to understand that the government is not entitled to play leapfrog whenever it loses in federal court. If the department's battery of emergency petitions were granted, that would immediately overload the Supreme Court docket with politically fraught challenges to Trump administration policies. I should also note that in addition to Kohler-Catelli's injunction, judges in three other states, California, Maryland, and Washington, have also enjoined the ban's implementation thanks to challenges filed in those states. In 2016, voters in Bermuda rejected marriage equality by a ratio of 2 to 1. Then in May 2017, the Caribbean Territory's Supreme Court ruled in favor of a gay couple making same-sex marriage legal. However, Bermuda's governor then introduced the Domestic Partnership Act in December 2017, which swapped out same-sex marriage for domestic partnerships. Clearly a downgrade. The legal maneuver made Bermuda the first country to legalize, then revoke, same-sex marriage laws in the world. But things weren't done yet. The Supreme Court overruled the domestic partnership legislation in June, but the Bermudan government chose to file an appeal to reverse that reversal. Now, are you still with me? This week, the Court of Appeal issued its ruling upholding the Supreme Court's June decision. Yay! But wait, there's more. In a last-ditch effort, the Court of Final Appeal is now hearing arguments to consider whether to stay its decision for 21 days in order to give the government time to file an appeal to the Privy Council in Britain. The Judicial Committee of the Privy Council is the Court of Final Appeal for the UK Overseas Territories and Crown Dependencies. Stay tuned. Another college student disowned by her parents for being LGBT has been embraced and supported by the community. Emily Sheck, a sophomore at Canisius College in Buffalo, New York, found herself in dire straits when her mother found a picture of Sheck with her girlfriend. The nightmare scene played out just about as badly as you could ever imagine. According to NBC News, her mother reportedly called Sheck disgusting. This is her daughter, kids and demanded that she attend so-called conversion therapy to rid her of her same-sex attraction or face being cut out of her family's life completely. Soon after, Sheck found her parents had removed the license plates from her car. Sheck had paid for the car, but because her parents were paying for the insurance, they had rescinded the payments. Her dad drove to Buffalo and removed the license plates. While there, he had taken all of Sheck's belongings from her home in Rochester and stuffed them all in her car with a message that said she was never to contact her parents or her siblings ever again. Survival now became a very real, very difficult mountain to climb. Sheck had no meal plan at college, so eating became a daily challenge. 
She had just taken a vacation that her parents had agreed to pay for, but now reneged on that agreement, leaving her with a credit card bill from the trip. She hadn't purchased her books yet for the upcoming semester, forcing her to borrow books from friends for classes. All this while she held down a part-time job at a grocery store, as well as a work-study job at school. And then there's the issue of tuition. It costs about $18,000 a semester at Canisius College, and her partial athletic scholarship for running track didn't come close to covering the expenses. Emily Sheck was in a very difficult position. And then her friend Grace launched a GoFundMe campaign, hoping to raise $5,000 to get Sheck through her immediate struggles. That goal was quickly surpassed. As Sheck's plight went viral, so did the GoFundMe campaign. As of this day, over $100,000 has been raised by 2,573 people in 13 days for Emily Sheck. For a moment, though, the good news seemed tied to bad. NCAA rules didn't allow for students to receive such funds. And so Emily Sheck was given an ultimatum, either return the money raised for food, shelter, and college expenses, or be forced to give up running track. Well, clearly survival was at the top of Emily's priorities, and so she prepared herself to give up the sport she loved in order to survive. And then, in a reversal, most probably due to the extremely bad press the story presented, the NCAA and Canisius College issued statements late last week saying Emily could accept the donations and also retain her sports eligibility. A spokesman at Canisius College released a statement on behalf of Emily Sheck expressing her deep gratitude to everyone who had stepped in to help her at such a vulnerable time. The statement read in part, Thank you to everyone who showed their love and support in this difficult time. The positive outreach has been unbelievable. I never expected this amount of support. What has been given is more than anyone could have expected. With Thanksgiving coming up, I'm grateful for everyone in my life who has continuously been there for me. I now know that family is not always something you have, but something you find. Let's hear it for the LGBTQ community and allies for coming together once again to help Emily Sheck at such a critical time. As is tradition in my house, while cooking our Thanksgiving Day celebration meal, I of course had the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on the big TV, pausing each time a current Broadway show offered a performance for the folks at 34th Street and across the nation. This year, Television viewers were treated to numbers from The Revival of My Fair Lady, Mean Girls, and the most recent addition to The Great White Way, The Prom. And so it was that I put the stove on simmer and poured a mimosa to watch Build a Prom from the musical The Prom. The show is about a group of Broadway actors who swoop into an Indiana town to save a young teen lesbian whose high school won't let her bring a girl to her prom. The show recently opened at the Longacre Theater on Broadway to rave reviews. Upbeat, lively, and full of energy, the musical number closes with the two female leading characters, played by Caitlin Kanunen and Isabel McCalla, kissing. 
I'm pretty sure this is the very first same-sex kiss in the history of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Woohoo! The producers of the parade gave this statement to Entertainment Weekly. Broadway's The Prom is grateful to Macy's and NBC for their acceptance and inclusivity of a community and a story that is about acceptance, tolerance, and love. These are some of the themes reflected in our musical comedy, and we are very proud to be the very first LGBTQ kiss on the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I can tell you now, folks, I squealed with joy watching the numbers climax. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com and instinctmagazine.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. I'm going to close this episode with a track from the new Benefit Holiday album for Quest of Life Radio. I'm super proud that the folks of Quest of Life Radio reached out to me some months back and asked to syndicate the Randy Report podcast. You can catch airings of my podcast on Wednesdays and Fridays at 3.30 p.m. Eastern and Pacific times by heading to questoflife.org slash qlradio.html. Don't worry, I'll have the link in the show notes. QL Radio shares my mission of making sure LGBTQ musicians have an outlet to be heard and shared to a wider audience. At just about any time of day, you can tune in to QL Radio to hear a wide variety of LGBTQ singers, songwriters, as well as other programs like Inside Out, Not Weird, Queer, and Homo Radio. Today, let's enjoy acclaimed transgender singer-songwriter, namely Brene an Arizona native that Tucson Weekly has called one of the best folk rock artists in the country. Other critics have used phrases like gorgeous and introspective and breathtaking and moving to describe her performances. She's graciously donated her take on the Christmas classic The Little Drummer Boy to QL Radio's holiday music album. All proceeds from album sales will go to support QL Radio and Quest of Life Medium Broadcast, which in turn will help support all of the great singer-songwriters in our global LGBTQ community. I'll have a link in the show notes to check out the full album. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.